Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And in this podcast, we delve into the very insights and wisdom I used in my own recovery journey. If you haven't already, I invite you to join our community by hitting that follow button and leaving a rating. Every follow and every rating not only keeps this podcast alive, but it also extends our reach to more listeners worldwide, spreading the invaluable information that I share in this podcast. Your presence here matters and I genuinely appreciate every single one of you listening, so I hope you know that. So whether you're on the path to recovery, supporting someone on their own recovery journey, or just curious about this important topic, you're in the right place. So stay tuned for another empowering episode. Over to the show. Welcome back and happy 2024. I can't believe I am saying that, but I am so excited to be starting the year off on a positive note, and this episode is going to be all about diet culture. And no, we're not going to be talking about diets or anything like that. We're going to be talking about actually how to steer clear of horrible diet culture. Diet culture is all around, and especially in January, it's practically inescapable. Diet talk is on in the air, on TV, plastered across social media, and infiltrating our conversations. And it's so pervasive that it's become normalized as a default to the point where it can become difficult to realize just how problematic all the messaging is around us. That same pervasiveness can make it easy to internalize the ideas behind diet culture, you know, such as, you know, the concept that there is only one acceptable body type, you know, the thin ideal, and achieving it, whether through excessive exercise, eating clean, or other means, should be prioritized after taking care of oneself. First start this episode off, that is completely BS, that's completely wrong. You know, your health is your priority, and diet culture often likes to monetize, you know, innate fears. Um, which really is not being accepted in society, you know. And unfortunately, internalizing these messages, whether intentional or not, can have a really powerful and powerfully harmful effect on our mental and physical health, you know, potentially leading to developing eating disorder symptoms. And, you know, if you are struggling with an eating disorder or you're recovering from an eating disorder, it can feel such a conflicting battlefield, knowing what to listen to, who to believe, and actually how to continue on with your recovery journey. I think first and foremost, it's really important to understand what actually is diet culture, because it's a word that's often like blasted about, but not many people actually know what it means. Now, I think the hard thing to say is diet culture doesn't actually have one clear definition, but I think it generally refers to a group of societal beliefs that overly value physical appearance, typically putting thinness or muscularity as the ideal and equating the achievement of these body shapes with moral superiority. And again, you know, the thin ideal as I go back to. 
you know, these kind of messages are all around us for marketing food as skinny or guilt-free to magazines, advertising, celebrity weight loss programs, and social media that encourages and track Um, encourages weight loss and tracking calories or macros or even food restriction, you know, to apps that encourage, you know, really, really rigid diet and exercise plans, regardless of health consequences. You know, and as people have become more aware of issues around weight and mental health over the years, the messaging of diet culture has also evolved changing from more overt dieting tips to messages that claim to be health focused. And, you know, you might see the influences touting, cleaning, eating or lifting heavy or doing other things to focus on their health rather than declaring they're promoting weight loss. And I really do think there is a fine line between diet culture and fitness culture and that girl culture in inverted commas. You know, it's really, really hard to decipher whether it's actually healthy or not. And I think first and foremost is you have to make an informed decision on that. You know if it's something that's healthy for you. But regardless of how it's presented, the core idea remains the same. Thinness or muscularity are the only true body shapes, you know, blasted in society and not and anyone not actively working on them is failing at a key aspect of life. The problem is here, diet culture and eating disorders have many overlapping traits. The thinking behind diet culture overlaps with the drive of eating disorder behaviours in so many different ways. We've got to think about the first one, which is idealising certain body types. The overall philosophy of diet culture, you know, of promoting muscularity and thinness over other body types can cause people to believe that they don't have to value they don't have value or worth unless they are this ideal body often like i said consider thinness for women you know lean muscular builds for men and thin curveless versions of androgyny for non-binary people but this is all down to a created stereotype where does this come from why has society changed you know we look back to Greek gods and, you know, even film stars in the 1950s and before, and body types were completely different. I would love to go more into the psychology of diet culture, but I think a lot of it is marketing and what can be marketed at the time. And, you know, when people don't have these bodies that meets these arbitrary standards, you know, you can often feel ashamed, guilt or angry that you can't fit in. I know I felt like that growing up, like I was never the one that would fit in with the crowd because I didn't have, you know, this ideal body type. You know, I was an overweight, chubby kid and teen and that led me to a destructive path with my eating and exercise in which, you know, it kept me trapped for so many years. And, you know, when you don't feel like you fit the stereotype, you know, all of these feelings can contribute to negative body image and a poor self-esteem, you know, as well as mental health conditions like depression and anxiety, you know, which are frequently considered major maintaining factors for disordered eating behaviours. I know that this was the case for me, you know, as as I never felt good enough. And I think, you know, it's a catch-22 with an eating disorder. Is the 
the more that you engaged with the with the disorder, the worse it got. And then you saw this media, and it's then like a revolving cycle of of shame, guilt, and anxiety. I think on the topic of promoting disordered eating behaviors, you know, I think the thing with diet culture is it often glorifies disordered behaviors and restriction. And I think disordered eating exists on a spectrum, which, you know, it's hard to decipher whether you're dealing with a full-blown eating disorder or disordered eating. And the spectrum describes a wide range of detrimental eating habits and behaviors that sit somewhere between adequate eating and eating disorders. However, diet culture promotes many behaviors that meet this distinction. Some research has argued that all diets are a form of disordered eating as they impose certain rules and restrictions around someone's otherwise natural hunger cues, enjoyment of food, food types, or adequate eating behaviors. You know, and other studies have concluded that dieting may cause more harm than good. The thing about a diet, you know, everyone has a diet, what they choose to eat day in and day out. But what we call as a diet is a set of prescribed rules or foods that we can and can't eat. I think the only caveat here is some people can't eat certain foods for dietary reasons, such as, you know, being celiac or gluten intolerant or, you know, lactose intolerant and so on and so forth. But when we are purposely cutting out times and, you know, times that we can eat or types of foods that we can eat, we have to think about, is this a sustainable choice long-term? And if it's not, then it's often quite disordered. And some people who engage in disordered eating do not meet the criteria for an eating disorder per se, which is a very much a black and white set of criteria, while some, some others might fit the criteria, you know, but think they are being quote unquote healthy. Long term, all of these disordered eating habits and, you know, diet culture behaviors can lead to full-blown eating disorders. Um, I know it was the case for me, you know, so-called healthy eating diet turned into a, you know, a decade battle with anorexia and frequent dieting, you know, in particular, has been identified as a risk for developing binge eating disorder. And it's definitely notable in the binge restrict cycle because we found that people who are engaging in crash diets and then obviously the body naturally wants to eat more because it's it's starved and then the cycle continues, perpetuates. And only when you become aware of how disordered diet culture is that you can learn to address it. You know, diet culture can also work to lower self-esteem further. You know, the entire premise of diet culture is that most people aren't in appropriate bodies and their lives won't be fully complete until they achieve this so-called ideal body shape or weight. And the messaging of diet culture is so, so, so prevalent that signing onto Instagram or TikTok may result in an onslaught of dangerous, misinformed content about diets, exercise, and weight loss, miracles of becoming your best self. And this is particularly true for our teenage population and young adults who are vulnerable to peer pressure and influence. I think even I can get sucked into social media sometimes and I have to take a step back and go, no, what am I looking at? Is this helping me? So diet culture is not just a one size fits all, you know, 
it's not a one-size-fits-all, and excuse the pun here, diet culture is rife in so many different situations. You might hear it in the office with conversation. You might see it sat on the bus looking at advertisement. It is so important to be aware of the caveats of diet culture and actually accept it's not right before moving forward and actually having a life of food freedom and lack of rules. But I think here's the catch. What do you do when you know all of this You know that diet culture is wrong, but you're on the path of eating disorder recovery or working towards body acceptance and diet culture is bombarding you from all sides. How do you actually cope with this onslaught of weight loss resolutions, healthy eating plans and endless promotions for gym memberships? It can be downright triggering and I'm here to offer you some strategies to navigate these treacherous waters. Honestly, January, it's a hard time. It feels like wading through mud a lot of the time. So tip one, how to steer clear of diet culture. Establish boundaries. So first off, boundaries, my favorite word ever. I talk about them until I'm blowing the face. And boundaries are cool, not cruel. Remember that. So Setting them is challenging, but oh, so vital. When someone in your life starts chattering away about their latest diet, workout routine, or weight loss journey, and it's making you squirm and feel triggered, it's time to speak up. You know, let them know that their diet and exercise talk isn't conductive to your recovery journey at all. It's actually doing more harm than good. You know, potentially suggest other topics to discuss so politely reframe the conversation most of the time people will be receptive to this and I've often found it in my own personal life you know if I don't like a conversation someone's having I will just reframe the conversation entirely but sometimes it's not that easy and people are just very stuck in their ways and they keep making the same mistake so you can just walk away I think if it's being detrimental to your recovery journey or your journey towards body acceptance, you know, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to say no. Your health and your happiness is most important. And also remember that your body and your eating habits are none of their business. If they ask, you know, whatever, you know, I think it's really hard with recovery sometimes because people often celebrate weight loss when really you're dealing with a, a very, very, dangerous and detrimental mental illness that is an eating disorder or disordered eating. So it's being able to say, I'm not going to share that. I don't feel like that's helpful. Tip two, how to steer clear of diet culture. So deploy the power of facts against disordered thoughts. So challenging, you know, negative thoughts with facts. I love to do this. It's like my favorite thing to do. You know, When those tempting thoughts of restriction come in, arm yourself with facts. Knowledge is power. So diets, you know, first and foremost, have a very bad success rate. Around 95 to 97% of people who lose weight on diets regain it within a couple of years, often ending up heavier than before. And chronic restriction can mess with your, your body. You know, as we know from restrictive eating disorders, you become cold, tired, lethargic, you know, uh, ensuring, you know, that your body basically shuts down your metabolism to protect itself from perceived famine. You know, the cave person brain, it's basically 
over years and years and years of, you know, billions of years, the cave person brain has basically mastered the art of surviving a famine, which means the metabolism slows as a response to inadequate energy, making, you know, weight loss and even steeper hill to climb if you, if that was even your goal to start with, whether you even need to lose weight, that's the thing. And weight cycling, so that's gaining, losing, gaining, losing, is more harmful than staying stable, higher weight. You know, actually the the BMI scale is BS, excuse my language on that, it was derived from a a white male mathematician in the 1900s and based upon a very small population of, of, again, white men, not taking into account other ethnicities and genders and ages and muscular, you know, density, etc. And therefore, you know, if we're basing our higher weight, which might be on the overweight, you know, part of the BMI scale as bad, you know, and, and want then engage in weight cycling, it, it can actually lead to more major illnesses than if we were just going to stay healthy at this higher weight. And restriction often leads to binge eating, emotional turmoil, obsessive food thoughts, less time for activities that truly matter. And any form of restriction is a slippery slope that can lead to relapse. So weight loss will not bring you any happiness, you know, unless you are on at an unhealthy weight. You know, if, if your health is at risk because of your weight, as always, health is a priority. But for the majority of the time, weight loss does not bring any happiness. You know, you find that you lose the weight and you're still no happier. So you need to remember the dark days of your eating disorder. They weren't exactly a blast. So it's remembering to challenge all these, you know, negative thoughts with facts. Weight loss won't make you a happier person. You know, is this a feeling or is this a fact? Diet culture is not the answer to your problems. Tip three, how to steer clear of diet culture. So create your social media. I went and said about social media before and how it's basically a a playground to compare yourself. And our social media feeds are often a big part of our life, not for everyone, but for most people. And if someone's posts are triggering you, please don't hesitate to unfollow or mute them. It's your space it's your space. It's your safe space. Wow. I tried to say two words at once then and it all got blurred and you have the power to create it. To replace those negative influences with body positive and food positive accounts or accounts that are just not around food at all. I love interior accounts. I follow nail design accounts, tattoo accounts, anything that isn't you know, purely a body. I think diversity is key, but obviously also diversity in niches. Follow people who look like you and those who don't and follow inanimate objects, follow dog and pet accounts. Celebrate authenticity. Social media is what we see and what we compare ourselves to. So make sure you're comparing yourself to a positive group of people. Tip four how to steer clear of diet culture. So surround yourself with positivity. I'm very much into the law of attraction at the minute. I think I mentioned this in my last episode, but what you put your focus on grows stronger within your life. And that is the same with positive and negative thinking. So filling your life with positivity can be transformative. Follow people who have a healthy relationship with bodies and their food. You know, also engage with friends and family who 
have a healthy relationship with food and their body. I think a lot of time we have families that are locked in diet culture and it's really, really hard, but you can be the change you want to see in your world. So educate and inform the people around you. You know, diversity in your social circles can boost your sense of community and self-acceptance. Celebrate who you are just as you are without changing, without the need to lose weight. You know, let's embrace the beauty of being unique, you know, being uniquely you. And that is an incredible thing. Tip five, and my last of the five of actually steering clear of diet culture this January and forevermore is remember, you know, your journey. You remember why you embarked on this path of recovery or body acceptance. There are countless reasons, you know, and they will be unique to you. And you should jot them down somewhere where you can see them every day. Remind yourself of why you chose to explore a different way of living, especially when you've got a world around you that seems fixated on dieting. Stay grounded in your mission, you know, your mission to feel better within yourself, to be a happier more well-rounded human that's not locked in on a specific set of steps that they need to do every day. You are on the right path and it's not forgetting that. Your why is your why. Nobody else can create that for you, but you must create that for yourself. So when motivation dips and you feel like you're unable to carry on, go back to your why. So yes, January might be overflowing with diet culture, you know, and and chatter from those around you kind of locked in on dieting, but you've got something valuable, knowledge. Like I said, knowledge is power. You know that diets are a dead industry and you know that they're detrimental to your well-being. You know that they won't make your life any better or happier. So as we navigate this diet culture dis- disaster together. Remember this, you've got the knowledge, the strength, and the support to stay true to your path. I'm doing this podcast to educate, inform, and empower you on your journey to recovery. Don't listen to that marketing out there, which really is a billion-dollar industry. We've got to remember that most diets fail, and they're making money off that. So if they haven't worked for others, they won't work for you, and they won't bring you happiness. So I hope that this episode starts your January off with a positive, you know, foot in the door and that this year will be, you know, the best yet. That's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to Recover to Flourish. If you found these tips helpful and this episode helpful, please don't forget to follow and rate the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, please make sure to leave a little written review if you can. It means the absolute world to me. Um, So stay resilient, stay positive and keep flourishing on your journey to recovery. Until next time.